0: Peace. Beyond the Norm. I am Norm Lavalette, the host of the show where we talk about all things uh, comedy and improv and the entertainment business and entrepreneurship and whatever really we want to talk about. I am joined, as always, by the lovely, talented, and medium-sized Ari Goldberg. Say hello, Ari.
1: Uh, hi. That That's, that's, a they're all new ones, but that's a new one.
0: I think it's an <laughs> accurate description. You're medium-sized
1: yeah i' i'm not i'm not absurdly tall i'm not absurdly short I, yeah i'm i am in general uh, average yeah that's fine i'm i'm medium size medium to small yeah no yeah i it was just i was expecting a an adjective and i got two
0: well see here you're, you're you're moving up in the world ari how are things in your life things are good
1: pretty much the same uh it's uh I'm still still living the bright life in my apartment with this new window, and you have two roommates, correct? uh technically, I have three roommates, one of them just never moved in, but he still pays rent, which is a mystery to all of us, but
0: so we're gonna stop right there so <laughs> so what do you what do you mean that 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 they just never moved in and they pay rent so
1: we signed the lease. there were four of us we're we're college buddies uh and then after we signed the lease we discovered that we couldn't park overnight in brookline um which was a bit of an oversight on all of our parts oh if you know
0: if anybody knows anything about brookline and i lived in brookline yeah parking is, overnight parking is a nightmare and it is a uh, it is a commodity well now everyone can do it
1: they've lifted all those restrictions um so i w- we thought that jack the other roommate would have moved in but he still hasn't i, I think it had something to do with Access to work and you know he he was looking for a new job and then well when was Jack supposed yet? to move in? September first
0: And so it's it's April, end end of April and he's yeah. and he has not moved and he's paying rent. What does Jack do for work that he can just be such a bon vivant and just pay for things that, that he doesn't use?
1: Uh he works a ridiculously well paying job at a liquor store. What what does he do there? Uh, I, I, uh, as far as I know, he's a cashier. He stocks
0: stuff and he does deliveries. God, uh, America, it's such a great country. <laughs> it's such a great country. Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, that you are doing well and you're uh, taking the money from somebody that is not living with you. That's very exciting. Uh, things are the same where I am uh, as always as we continue to get through this. Uh, this time that we're in so for those of you who listen uh, I often start the show uh, I use three metrics roughly speaking to guide me in uh, you know contemplating and making decisions uh, not etched in stone I'm not so uh, intractable that I that I that I you know can't can't think uh, outside these three metrics but the, what they are uh, they are helpful and what they are is I, I when I look at something uh, I, I say I say does it does it make me money? Do I love it, or am I intellectually curious about it? And if it hits any one of those boxes, then then usually it's worth uh, at least pursuing. So I like to go over what what might I might be working on from the money standpoint. You know, not too much has changed. The clubs are still closed, and I really don't expect them to be open for quite a while. Uh, I, I think that uh, here in Boston and New York, the uh, the gathering points are, are going to be the last to come back. That's just my expectation. Uh, so, so there's some challenges there, but we are exploring different things, online uh, classes and stuff. Uh, I, I, I think there's pros and cons to the online classes. Uh, I, I'm happy to do it if, I'm happy to do it if there's v- true value there. I've seen a lot of people rush to that, and uh, that's all well and good, but I, I've also seen a lot of kind of. Not great stuff. So you know, we'll do it when when I feel like there's a value that we can offer uh, offer our students. So there's that. But for for anybody that's you know, it's not entertainment on the entre- entrepreneurial side of things. Yeah. They're starting now, and and for the next year, there's going to be huge opportunity uh, for people to create and figure out. New businesses and new ways to work I mean absolutely and and I know that it feels it feels like that the world has come to an end, and there is no future, and we should just you know try to find roommates like Jack that just pay you money and don 't show up and and that really is the best business uh business in the world but th- there there are going to be those things, and so you know it almost that almost goes into all all of the things which is I love and my intellectual curiosity is i 've been spending a lot of time. Just kind of looking and researching things and seeing seeing where things can go and what is out there and what are the opportunities and and that's both something that I love to do because I just kind of love letting my mind go and say oh that interests me and it's also that's where the intellectual curiosity comes from which is if you have any kind of intellectual curiosity now is the time to pursue it Uh, and and take a look at that and see if you can turn that into into uh, you know possibly a business and doing a lot of research and. I fully expect that uh, in the next three to six months, I will launch one, if not two, uh, strange business ideas and business lines. So that's uh, that's kind of what I've been doing. Ari
1: is, and I can cut this out if uh, if you don't want to talk about it anymore. But is one of them cooped up?
0: Well, one of them is cooped up. one of them is definitely going to be cooped up so uh cooped up for anybody that maybe just uh, is tuned in i 've become obsessed with uh chickens and chicken coops uh, but but beyond that, one of my best friends from u s Amherst is a fantastic designer he 's been designing custom chicken coops and they 're beautiful and they 're like solar powered and they 're oh my god it 's fantastic so i 've convinced him I would say eighty five percent To uh, to go into business with me because because that's not his main thing. He's he's a landscape architect design, but I'm like Scott, we can do this, and uh, and so we're we're starting with the one that we're building for me, uh, and then we're gonna go from there. But I think Cooped Up is one, and then I'm working on a few other things that uh, I probably am not at liberty to say at the moment. Fair enough, uh, but uh, we'll we'll see where they go. So that's kind of that's kind of me and what I'm doing with all of my time here during uh, the COVID nineteen Corona. Pandemic, all right. Or this
1: movie we're living in.
0: Whatever this Sims uh, relation or anything that we're doing, so uh, we're getting by, and uh, and you know we'll we'll keep plowing through. So moving oh, yeah. forward, moving forward, uh, I have uh, an amazing guest joining us today. Uh, th- this person, you know, you know, a, a lot of what we talk about here uh, on the show is the business aspect uh, and career aspect of comedy and entertainment, and and I think that this next guest is just such. Such a wonderful person to have on because he's a great example of of what you can do in this business and and, and what it can mean far beyond, I I think, how everybody thinks about it, which is like, oh, I got to be on the stage, and then I got to get there, and then I got to get SNL, and if I'm not getting SNL, I'm going to move to LA, and I'm going to try to do classes all over again and maybe get a writing job, but I probably won't. Sure. That's a path. Uh, but, but there are many ways to do this, to, to use your talent, use your skill uh, and, and then, you know, benefit and prosper from it. Uh, but beyond that, th- this person, uh, for anybody that's, uh, been at improv asylum, i say in the last decade or so, uh, he's got near legendary status, uh, for, for what he was able to do on stage and some of the things he did off stage as well. Uh, uh but he's beloved uh by by, by the uh, improv Asylum community. Uh he's a fantastic person. He's he's a he's a great comedian, uh, but he's he's a better human being and I'm thrilled to have as I guess uh, on the show joining us today is Dan Fanef. Hello Dan. Hi Norm. How no, are you?
2: I'm good. The thing about success, Norm hey. is um you got to start at the bottom.
0: Yeah, is that 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 how it works? You start at the bottom, and then you and then and then you then you get successful. I'm talking about the gutter, Norm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you? Uh, I am very good, Dan. I'm very good. How are you doing? Things are good. I'm finding quarantine uh, to be actually pleasant.
0: Yeah, Although, man. It was- I, I, it, it's. I think so many people, so probably more. And and again, obviously, it's it's based on health, and and your personal finances, and your living situation, and all of that. Sure, Uh, but but I do think the sentiment that I'm hearing from so many people, and myself included, is that you know, as I continue to say on the show, if you take away the the horrible carnage, and death, and Mm -hmm. financial ruin. (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot to like I, I i i mean there really is and and you're not the only person to say like yeah there's you know there's a certain reconnect or at least for me slow down
2: that, mm-hmm. that has been very good absolutely i mean i think with the hot like in um in, near the holidays, actually in Thanksgiving, I was sort of experiencing these weird things. I don't know if we talked about it, but panic attacks. I found out, I thought they were like little heart attacks because mm-hmm. I would be driving. I was driving my niece and nephew to my house in Boston from uh, Orange uh, mm-hmm. where I now have this other property that I'm currently at. And I just started freaking out. I thought I was going to die. And- What do you uh, think, so what, what do you-
0: can you attribute that to anything? I mean, what, what, what do you attribute um, that to the pressure of work? I mean, obviously you have a very stressful line of work. Uh, personal stuff. I mean, is there anything that you can put your finger on? Because because so many people that that you know,
2: it's it's a very common thing for so many people out there. So I'm just curious. I I really don't know. I mean, things were. I was I was in the process of buying this this house, and some bigger stuff was going on at work. Nothing really out of the ordinary. I mean, I studied for the bar exam and things were crazy. I got sober. That was nuts. And I didn't necessarily have these instances where I thought, you know, I just felt like I was going to die. And so, but bore out of that was my decision to take things off my plate. I hired more staff. I don't have to do everything. I don't have to go after every little bit of business. I can just, I'm going to focus more on my relationships and enjoying life and success um, and and slow down. And this is sort of like the universe, <laughs> to, you know, saying, oh, yeah. see how good life can be when you're not just chasing shit, you know? It, it's a giant reset and,
0: and, it, and it is crazy. And I think, you know, so, so, so Dan, so tell us a little bit about because I want to go back to you know this idea of hiring people and and, and having assistants and stuff like that. But I think before we even get that, uh, let's let's start at the beginning. So. Where where did your where did your career start from a comedy standpoint? Take us through the beginning, uh, and then we'll we'll kind of end up to where we are today. So, how did it all come together for you, Dan?
2: Norm, I don't think I've told many people this story, and I'm only. I mean, I got involved in improv and comedy officially in college, Um, and I've done theater and stuff throughout college. But probably the the first time i ever performed besides like for my family or just goofing around as a child me and my buddy joel joel marois he is a pork chop he is a schlub and we are bosom buddies forever but he's a maniac we're we're having a little sleepover and i don't know i mean maybe it was just me but as a little boy uh in the 90s um 13 14 started to like girls and maybe pictures of naked girls. I don't know. It's been a long time. Um, and there's magazines they used to circulate in those circles. And so we would play poker for like these weird little old 70s magazines or whatever. But in the back, there would be these 800 numbers that you could call and you could talk to women, you know, uh, <laughs> dirty Probably elderly women. uh, who were (laughs) (laughs) Those those are
0: the best kind uh, of dirty women. It's the elderly women. It's the dirty elderly. Because they know what
2: What? they're talking about. They have experience. They've they've been around the block. Uh, And so um, we never, uh, like you call these 800 numbers. And it's like they have these recordings of like sexy women being like, you want to talk to us? Press one to enter your credit card information. And so we didn't have a credit card. And so what, what I would do, um, and we thought was hilarious was I would, we would, this is back when not everything was automated. You get, you get sent to like an operator, um, someone to take in your credit card information. And I think it was, I don't know, what's the language, um, uh, threshold on this podcast. I wrote a book called "The Art of Making Shit Up,"
0: so you can really say whatever the fuck you want, Dan.
2: Okay, so I think I think the the number was one eight hundred wet tits. Now I didn't write it, <laughs> man. It, it's probably one of the most popular uh, in the pages in the back of these books. Uh, I don't know. Did you ever subscribe to Boys' Life, Norm? No, I never did. I never did. As a Boy Scout, we would, and then they'd have all these ads in the back for things that never worked, like first aid kits and things like how to turn a vacuum cleaner into a hovercraft and you can fly around your school. That didn't work. Um, Ruined a vacuum. But anyway, so I would get transferred to the credit card lady uh, to take my number, and I would pretend to be Fernando and who was so confused and foreign that he thought that the lady who was taking my credit card was the dirty lady I was supposed to talk to. (laughs) We would just call all these numbers. That number that I referenced was like the one I remember, but we would just call these numbers and then talk to the credit card people. uh, Like we were uh, an immigrant looking to get, get some, get something dirty going, you know? Well, that's
0: that's a pretty fantastic. That's a pretty fantastic bit. Uh, it's it's very uh, Jerky Boys esque uh, in, in terms. Uh, if anybody remembers that reference, uh, so 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 right then and there, you must have known. Like, I got something. Showbiz is calling
2: me. She she put me on speakerphone. I would call back, and she would she would put me on speakerphone. Uh, I, I her name was Julie because I would call and ask for Julie and she would just giggle and then she put me on speakerphone and I'd hear people laughing.
0: All right. And that those yeah. first laughs, man, those first laughs are everything, right? Yeah, fucked. So that's great. So you started there and then and then I'm going to fast forward you just a little bit. Uh, and so so fast forward to now you went to uh, Suffolk University, correct? Yes. Great. So you you went to Suffolk. And, mm-hmm. and what did you uh, – what did you – what was your original plan in terms of what did
2: you study at Suffolk? Uh, my, my track – government. So they have a good right. government program. and um, right. I studied politics, law, and the courts.
0: And so what – so how, how – I don't even know this. I mean obviously I know I know your path, but I don't necessarily know this part of it. So how did that lead you to uh,
2: Seriously Bent, right? Because Seriously Bent is the uh, Suffolk comedy troupe, correct? Right. Um so I had done I'd gone to Fisher College before I went to Suffolk and I did theater so I got a little bit more comfortable on stage and then uh when I was at Suffolk you know uh in the dorms there was this uh flyer that said do you think you're funny? Yeah, come audition for Seriously Bent. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm funny. <laughs> and- it's so it, it's literally Dan that that's
0: that's truly the exact same story for me. Uh, I was at I was at UMass Amherst and I was walking across, you know, campus I was by the campus pond and there was like a flyer and it was like those same kind of flyers that have like like the little tears like you know looking for roommates uh Ari you know if you're looking for a roommate that's going to pay you and not move in but they'd have a little tear uh and it was the same thing it was like think you're funny call Brian and and in that in that you know hubris that many of us have in in college born from nothing uh was like think I'm funny. I know I'm funny. I'm, you know, based on nothing. I never proved anything. Uh, so it was exactly the same thing for me.
2: Wow. That's, that's funny. Um, yeah. yeah. Just like, yeah, I'll show you. Of course. And so you auditioned. So I auditioned, um, Harry Gordon is my, uh, is our professor. Yeah. and they, they brought us on and then, you know, it's crazy. It's like this with a lot of things in life, you know, uh, like th- those people in Seriously Bent that I didn't really know that well become some of my longest, most meaningful relationships. And who uh, who, are, who are some, who are your peers? Uh, who is your so, peer set at Seriously Bent? So I had, Rebecca Edwards was there, Tony Pasifumi, Tim Enright, Deirdre, um, or Deidre, she hates it when you call her Deirdre. Um, uh, Julia Gustafson, um, uh, and then eventually more and more people came on board. Uh, Josh Peters with the Dreads. Yeah, yeah, I remember Josh. Yeah, and then we just, so we started um, performing for the school. There was these little things we would do we had a very good following at suffolk university
0: oh yeah and then, i mean it's
2: very very popular i mean and and so
0: many you know it seriously bent was uh, not, not necessarily when i was there i was there at the very early formative stages of, of mission improbable at, at umass but literally like after the year after or year or two after i left the thing became like a machine so you know it, it's it's very common uh, it's very common at these schools and, and you guys were, were
2: super popular Right. And and, um, (laughs) there was an article recently, uh, I think it was in Mass Lawyers Weekly, where I talked about this. So you might not have seen it. Um, But uh, I I commented there, they were asking me about my path at Improv Asylum. And I was, you guys would have this regional improv competition, and we won every single year um, while I was there. And I attributed that to. Both your your uh, company's uh, professional instruction, as well as our school filling every seat, and it was an audience vote. Sure. Well,
0: well, certainly it was the audience vote first. Uh, and, and, it's, and, and then, you know, with Suffolk University, yes, we contract with them and probably i contract with them so that so that we do, you know, supply a director or an instructor. In your case, it was Harry Gordon. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but you know, it's been different people over the years. And, and that's that's unique, right, because that's a pretty big commitment from that um, from that institution to mm-hmm. legit to legitimize, you know, the you know, the comedy and the improv comedy
2: uh, arm of, of the theater department. Right. You know, and it's like a performing arts group and they have a theater, they have like a theater um, major at Suffolk. And then they're known for like government and politics and law because there's the Suffolk law school. But um, yeah, that would, that became one of their, like uh, I don't think Suffolk university has competed in anything nationally. And Except for improv. <laughs> yeah, and
0: you guys went down to, and so you guys went down to Chicago, right? You, right. you went, uh, uh, you, you, so it, like, it's, in that world, it's a big deal. It's the same as, it's the same as, you know, uh, college
2: athletics or, or academic comp, uh, competitions. Right. Um, but it, I I wasn't a part of the team. I actually got brought on to Improv. It's Um, I think you guys sort of said, maybe you want to audition for NXT, and Um, I did and I, and I made that cast. And then after that, the, um, the college troops seriously been went to nationals and I, I right. went down a few times to watch them. So that was great. Right. So, so, so you were there. So, you, so let's talk about that. So you auditioned, uh,
0: you auditioned for the NXT company and, and for anybody that's listening, NXT company, that's our first resident company at improv asylum that you would be able to get into that. You can audition to get into uh, there. There are house teams that are based out of the training center, but that's our first residence, you know, professional. You're starting to do uh, stuff cast. So you, did you, I, I don't remember. Did you get in on your first audition?
2: Yes. Nice. Hey, it was, that, that's yeah. rare. That's rare. <laughs> um, it was an, like, I mean, maybe I think the talent pool, it's like any like professional sports nowadays, like could uh, Arnold Palmer really compete in the way that he, <laughs> in the way that he did now against these players. But when I auditioned, there were some people in the room who probably shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have been, you know, probably in public. Sure. (laughs) Well, I
0: think I I think. Look, it is it's timing, right? I I mean, I think you did come on at a time where maybe the qualified pool wasn't as deep. You know, nowadays it's it's crazy. I mean, we we hold you know we we hold uh, auditions for the NXT. Maybe you know maybe once a year, and you have anywhere from fifty to sixty to eighty people come out Mm -hmm. for that, and and you could probably say a third could credibly Mm -hmm. do the work. Right, right? And, and and we typically take one to three. So uh, you know, it, and it t- is everything in that. So so you got into right. the NXT, and and uh, and who did you? Who was in your first NXT cast? Oh,
2: uh, Brian uh, O'Hara, Richie uh, yeah. Moriarty, uh, Sue Constantine, Allison Royer came on board. Um, Aaron. I forget her last. Erin McGee, McGee.
0: Uh, yes. Evan McGee, yes, Evan McGee. All right, right,
2: and Maya Houghton. yes, Maya Hotten from Chicago. Jane right. Blaney. Uh, so Jane Blaney, Maya Hotten. Now I feel bad if I've forgotten someone.
0: Oh, you don't have to feel bad. I forget people. I forget people who work with work for me. Oh, this is the way it goes, Dan. Yeah, you live long <laughs> enough, you forget you forget who people are. So so that's it. So so you're doing that, right? And so you're doing that. But but you were one of these people too that that had a lot going on. So you're doing that and and what else like so so take us through that. Like for for your your You start doing the nxt company you start performing where are you uh, both within your mindset of being a performer and doing comedy but also your schooling and some other things that you're pursuing
2: sure so um i i i think i was still performing i I performed at improv asylum during my last semester of Mm -hmm. college and then once i graduated i was working full-time at a law firm in uh, Brookline, a politician. He was the chairman for the Brookline Board of Selectmen. So I was working with him on some of his political stuff, as well as some of his casework, which is civil litigation. Um, And then, so I'd be working 40 hours a week, and then going to do shows on Wednesdays and Sundays, and rehearsing when we're in production, or when we're in rehearsals. And, and and for,
0: you know, there, I always say this, there's, there's no one way to, to do this. There's no right way to do this. If anybody tells you there is, no, there isn't. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. I, I was always amazed by people like you. And, and there's been many of you or your types over the course of the years that could work full time and truly commit to doing comedy. Like, you know, I, I always say it you know people are like well you made this choice and it was so brave and you gave up things to do comedy I, no i didn't i, I wasn't <laughs> mature and i couldn't hold a. I could barely hold a full time job not doing comedy. You you know what I mean? So, so, so for me to throw all in on comedy, I'm like, well, that's what I had to do because I wouldn't have been able to do both. But, but then there have been people like yourself or, 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 you know, more recently Kiro Sullivan and and people like that, that have these really high, you know, level or or intense jobs and are also to, you know, able to make that commitment. So, so you, you were able to do that. And so you got through the NXT company and then you got hired on to the main stage,
2: correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I went to the touring company, which was... Oh, right. We had the touring company for a little while. That's yeah. right. And and we went on this uh, a bunch of tours. I remember, and we did, you know, I did corporate shows for a while. I remember doing a corporate show for the GOP of New Hampshire that they asked us to get off the stage after 15 minutes because our mics didn't work. And, oh, that was fun. Oh, but- sh- corporate <laughs> shit shows and road shows. People, you know
0: and it's funny. And so we've company-wide, you know, we actually operate our corporate shows and road shows different, I think than almost most, uh, organizations out there. And part of that was learning from the time that you were on, you were in the touring company on the road show, you know, even today, right. You know, actors will get into, uh, the NXT company or whatever. And the first thing they'll ask is like, so, uh, when, uh, when would we be eligible for, you know, corporate shows and road shows? And I'm always like, you think you want that but you don't. That that's the hardest work. That's the hardest least rewarding work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. You're going outside your element onto their, you know, their uh, their their property a lot of the time. Sure.
0: And you're And it's the it's the coldest of cold audiences, right? Because generally speaking, one person, one or two people on the committee decided it was going to be a good idea. Uh, right. and so nobody else, they don't give a shit, right? They, they didn't pick you as opposed to when you come down to a theater or a comedy club, those people have opted in. So you have the coldest of cold audiences and <laughs> you have to win them o- and you have to win them over. And what we learned early on was we actually need our most veteran and experienced people to do that work because it is the hardest. And I think that's what differentiates, uh, di- differentiates improv asylum from other places that typically send their least experience. Uh, And I think that's, that's why, you know, over the years we've had such, such success on the corporate side of it. But yeah, I remember that. Didn't you guys have like some kind of crazy road trip down in Florida?
2: Oh man. Uh, Yeah. Well, we had one to Virginia, which was right after the Virginia Tech shooting. And oh, right. we, we were introduced, and so it's tough. That's a tough spot to be in. And they wanted to do it anyway because people were really sad. And so we were doing at this sh- school near Virginia Tech, and they introduced us. They introduced us with a moment of silence for mm-hmm. the victim, and then say that all right, now to lift our spirits is the most funny people in the country. <laughs> <laughs> Improv Asylum. And so we open up this show for a a primarily African-American audience with an improvised rap. Ah, very, very, very uh, tonally uh, on point. (laughs) Yeah, man. Oh, man. You know, I never felt so comfortable on stage uh, seeing their stone cold faces. Uh, It's it's amazing. We've we've done so many, uh, you know, I've done...
0: More more shows that, that that you can imagine where right before we're introduced to go on stage, it's – and before we start, let's take a moment of silence for Larry, <laughs> who, who we just lost uh, last week. Uh, Larry was a great employee, worked here for 25 years. Let's take a moment of silence. And you're like, oh, man, come on. I can't <laughs> follow Larry. And then and this is the, – I'm not making this up. And then they're like – and and before we start – Ladies and gentlemen, Larry's wife and kids in the back of the room. Can we give him a round of applause? I'm like,
2: you got to be shitting me. And like, all the material, I, like in the packet, was before Larry died. And they're of making. Of course. <laughs> right, right. It was all
0: like, Larry, oh, stick it to Larry. And his <laughs> widow and kids are in the back of the room. And you do a moment of silence. And then, like, and now, are you ready to laugh? I'm like, oh, my. And, and it's happened more than a few times. It, it's, it's insanity to me insanity
2: right. to me and then, and then, yes briefly um we did have a crazy trip down in florida it was nuts we were all over the place i remember this is where brian wecht Brian Wecht, the one of the lead leads in uh, Ninja Sex Party, who saw that coming? Oh, <laughs> a- a- arguably
0: one of the one of the most successful people to ever come out of Improv Asylum. Uh, uh, with him in Ninja Ninja Sex Party. So, if anybody is looking for a, a super great and funny oh. comedy music uh, Ninja Sex Party, he's Ninja Brian. Oh, well, they, they play
2: arenas now. It's crazy. I listened to there. I was listening to them before I knew Brian was in it. And- I was
1: listening to them before I knew what improv asylum was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and, um, in and Brian weck I don't think, cause, uh, attention viewers, I, I ha- I am recovering from alcoholism. I've been sober for like nine years. Uh it's great, it's wonderful, but I was I used to party pretty hard and I think Brian was like, Oh man, I don't wanna like deal with that dude. And we get room together and he's flying in from somewhere uh middle of the tour. And he, and he was supposed to sleep in our room. And we got this extra cot for him. So we sort of claimed the beds the night he wasn't there. And then we ate pizza and maybe got some pizza sauce on the bed we were giving him. And, and the day after he got there, he woke up and he's like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to stay in this place again. I think there was blood on my uh, on my bed. <laughs> and I was like, we were all drinking that night. And I'm like, no, no, no. That was just pizza sauce that we, we dripped on it. And he's like, oh, oh, I hate you guys. Um, uh, yeah. but we get along. Like we we made up, and, and it's actually a a really good treat to see him when he's around. Well, but- well Brian is do- Brian's doing so well, uh, and and probably the other even more famous person
0: uh, out of Improv Asylum uh, is our other uh, musician uh, was a, a musical director for a time, Bill Wirtz. I, I mean, the, these musical directors they go on to be these big stars, and you know, what does he do? He's Ari. You can speak better to to Bill, but he's like a giant. He became a giant internet sensation for the things that he was creating, and now he's like creating for shows, and I I don't even understand it.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know what he's up to now, but he 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 would leave shows early so people wouldn't like know he was there. He he did the the history of Japan, history of the world videos on YouTube that had like multiple million views oh my god like a hundred million views yeah and, and like yeah. and
0: and dan it literally we couldn't on the outros we couldn't oh, say different names. We, we couldn't say <laughs> bill words be, because if we said bill Wirtz, literally people would try to get
2: backstage to see him I, it, it was it was insane it, it was insane so wow i think the last show i performed with him i think i remember hearing something about this they're like oh don't like when you do the outro, don't say his name and whatever. He was nice. He came up to me. He was like, "Actually, I'm a I'm a fan of yours." That's and so now that now that I know he's a big deal, <laughs> thank you, Bill. Yeah, and he's a lovely, lovely guy. So, so, so you, you know, you had
0: the experiences of life on the road, and and let's dive in a, a little bit to you know. So you may, you know, from touring company, you did eventually make main stage. And, and look, we, we all understand and know Dan was one of the funniest people to to ever work on the stage. Uh, again, I love brave performers that will just go for it. Uh, and, and, you know, I think there are certain performers, Kylie Fitzgerald comes to mind, uh, but, but you're another one. You know, Dan was, you know, in some ways people are like, fucking batshit crazy, but the guy will go for it. Uh, and, 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 I think that really defined, uh, you know, your comedy, what you did, but, and you kind of alluded to it, this was also going on part and parcel and, 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 even said it kind of, you know, joking at the very beginning of the podcast, you know, to things that probably weren't going as well, uh, mm-hmm. as we look back on it in your life and, and sobriety and alcohol, and, and, and drugs and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you feel comfortable, you know, talking a, a little bit about sure
2: that? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I did. uh, I was asked by a lawyer. I'm a lawyer now, and uh, to do this like talk at the Supreme Judicial Courthouse in Boston for this task force that's been appointed um, for like the lawyer mental health well being, you know, because it's a problem. And uh, I was like, sure, I'll do this little talk, whatever. And I get there, and there's like the Attorney General's office, the DA's office, this the appeals court, the Supreme Judicial Court, like all these people, these heads of law firms who are on this task force. And so I talked to them about my uh, my recovery. So uh, I can certainly do it on your podcast. Um, no, I, I I grew up in central Massachusetts. I had a lot of brothers and sisters. Uh, and, you know, I started drinking Bud Light at a young age. I really liked it. And- Where in central Massachusetts did you grow up? Uh, Worcester County. So near Gardner. So East Templeton is where I'm from. Yeah. Cause I'm and, from, I'm from Grafton and I, I grew up in central mass as yeah, well. So nice. And, and, and it just, you know, that's sort of what I like to do. And throughout college that became my identity. I was like this party guy and, uh, I didn't see that big a deal with it. There would be some rough nights and some embarrassing things that I would do that I really wasn't giving myself permission to do. And and then eventually it just got a little worse and a little worse and a little worse. And then I just became this kind of exaggerated version of myself, someone who I didn't, I wasn't very happy with. And uh, one of my friends at Improv Asylum actually had the balls to confront me on it. I don't know if he wants me talking about this, but Uh, my friend, uh, asked me out for lunch, gave me a big hug before lunch, which was a little weird and then, uh, confronted me and I sort of blew him off a little bit I made him feel better. And then that the next day is when I decided I had had enough. That was, you know, I'd been thinking about that for years. Like, do I have an issue? Oh no, like bad things sometimes happen. I'm not, I don't like this. And then, uh, you know, having someone, um, that I respect sort of say, Hey, look, worried about you was well. And and it
0: it was starting. It was starting to get, in 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 the way a little bit uh, professionally for oh. you right i i mean you know again speaking oh, yeah. very candidly and 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 dan obviously we have a great relationship but it, it was starting to get in the way we we were starting to cause issues off off stage within the company and mm-hmm. and you know i always say like the the worst the worst reason to to get removed from a, a cast or a company or, or something that you want to be in is for the off stage stuff Right. Oh, yeah. I, you know, that that that. And, and so it was starting to really impact even the, the, the work you were able to do. And so when that, you know, when that time came, you know, that that was a very brave thing that that Richie did and, and a very, um, you know, loving thing, really, that that he did. But but I also remember how brave you were. Because mm-hmm. you then reached out, you know, I may not be getting the, the chronology exactly right, but I definitely remember you reaching out to me uh, mm-hmm. and, and you and I uh, having a, a matter of fact, I think it was like a conversation
2: in the financial district on the street. Yeah. Uh, right. You, you were in, uh, I said, hey, can you meet? And mm-hmm. I, uh, Brian Dunn was the director at the time too. So it was you, Brian Dunn and myself. And you're like, I'm dressed up in your colonial clothes right now <laughs> like you were doing something oh, we were shooting uh we were shooting vanity project the tv show yeah 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 and uh you're like yeah and i said oh well i can come to you um can we meet in the alley or something because i didn't want to have this conversation in your corporate offices <laughs> um sure yeah and then uh you 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 were like oh okay and then you and brian came and met me and i i think what i said was uh do you remember what i said well, I think I, I I remember what I do
0: remember you saying was like, look, you know, uh, uh, I've had, roughly speaking, I've had an issue. Uh, I, I think you you it was so impressive because it's how you've always been. You direct, you addressed it head on. You didn't mince words. You didn't look for people to feel sorry for you. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you were very brave about the situation, and, and you're like, this is the deal. I'm changing, and I'm going to do it. Mm. It was it was just like. It was it it almost felt like it was decided already.
2: <laughs> yeah. And and then uh you asked me you thought it might be a good idea to come down and just address the cast and I remember doing that too. Um coming down to the theater sort of, you know, cuz um I think I I uh, no, I told you. I was, I said I needed to take a leave of absence because I have a substance abuse. And you're like, "Oh, okay." And uh, and then when we got down to the theater and I, Matt Contanzano just reminded me of this uh, last time I saw him. Um, but because we used humor to diffuse tension and cope or whatever, um, I remember doing this like, you know, very from the heart, like, look, I need to take some time off. And we had just like put a show together. And so Richie actually was the one who took my place on the main stage because he had been sort of removed and doing other stuff. And he said, he'd do it. And, um, you know, I just told him what was going on and I think you were there. And, um, and I, and, and almost like to the point of tears, uh, Ben said, you know, and the person <laughs> the, who I feel the worst for in all of this is the audience. <laughs> because they're going to suffer. <laughs> uh, you know, just to get a laugh and to get out of there. And uh, yeah, so that's. Well, it happened. was. And that's
0: what we that's what we do. And I think that's what humor does is it does diffuse the situation. But but it it was it, it was a very amazing thing. And then you did it and you came back and you rejoined the cast and you rejoined the company.
2: Right. Um, Yeah. And, and that's one thing, too. I sort of thought, uh, not knowing what this journey would be like, thinking, oh, I'm going to stop, you know, partying, and then everything's just going to get better, you know, professional. And it, and on the outside, it kind of did. But it's a rough go. When you take away the booze from someone who's using it to feel comfortable on their own skin, they get uncomfortable. And so um, that was the and,
0: own- and within the industry that we're in, right? I, I mean... You- Look, part of the appeal of the industry, at least it's for many people, and at some point, is how fun it is. It, it's you do shows and, and you become very uh, emotionally close with people in this very intense environment and you deliver something to this audience. And then there's that culture of, and now you blow off steam at the end of the night. And and it's just like, you know, it's just like any other job. You don't just go home and go to bed. And that's why people are like, well, why do you stay up so late? I'm like, well, it's it's really not that late if you're staying up to two and three and four in the morning. I mean, you don't you don't go to work and, and come home and, and bed at eight o'clock and 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 also the, you know, blowing off that steam. So to to lose that aspect of the culture, it, uh, I have to imagine is very challenging as well.
2: Oh, sure, and, and and like just that's knowing that was my social lubricant. You know, like that's sort of how I've I had an identity. I was this crazy sort of um party guy that would be entertaining um and lubed up and then it's like all right what what part of that was really me and what part of that was just an act that i had gotten used to you know to to try and be a part of um,
0: and, and I think from somebody, somebody looking, you know, uh, the outside in and, and, you know, I have the privilege of knowing so many of you from a formative stage to becoming an adult, because I knew you in college, I saw you through that, I saw you through this to become, you know, a competent adult, uh, you know, grow into, uh, you know, a, a wonderful human being. Mm-hmm. And and some of that is, is about growing up. And, and, you know, you have to let that happen. But I will say that from a professional standpoint, from, from a directorial standpoint, your work got much better, huh. right? And, and and I think that's often the fear with performers uh, is that the work is actually going to get worse, right? right. Uh, but but your your work got better. And I, I don't, you know, I'm sure it was a much longer haul for, for you know, your, your personal life, but the work on stage got better. Nice. Well, good. <laughs> Um, and then you quit? No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, but, but you know, but 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 I do want to as we get towards the end. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, I referenced it earlier. There is no one path, and I know that so many people think success only means if you go to New York and L.A. and and you you get on S.L. or you, you get a TV show or whatever. But that is it, you, you know. So how did you? What was the thought process for you to say? You know, look, I, I've made it to the top at least here in Boston in, in terms of what I'm doing professionally with improv and sketch comedy, and mm-hmm. to say, but but that's really all I want to do, and and then shift gears to law school and 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 you know starting your own uh, law firm. I mean, what was that process?
2: Sure. So sort of like what I was talking about a little earlier, that I was uh, now that I'm like I'm sober, I'm trying to figure out really who I am and what I want to do, and and you know. Uh, comedy is is great. And I think, you know, I love it. It is a passion of mine. But I was questioning why I was doing it at that point in my life. Like, was I doing it? Because that's where I got a lot of positive affirmation. You know, meeting women after the shows. I mean, if you're a performer, little secret uh, dudes out there who uh, have trouble talking to women, if you're like a five uh, and you get on the main stage, uh, after you do a show, if you're talented – uh you're like a nine. Uh so women will want sure. to you and it becomes easier. So there was some appealing stuff there. But um I sort of was like, you know what? I'm gonna take a break from comedy. I can always go back and it seems to be like who you know and where you are, like right place, right time anyway. Once you've gotten your chops, you know, once you've done like a thousand shows, you know, you're you're pretty much you're gonna continue to develop those skills if you're in it. But You know, it's sort of about opportunity after that point. You've developed into the performer you're probably going to be. Um, So I was always working at law firms throughout my tenure at Improv Asylum. And and I thought, you know what? I could start my own firm. I've been working in them for a while. It's a good way to make money. I also like the capacity of representing victims of, you know, sex crimes and, and other stuff. That's sort of what we do. And uh, I went to law school and I met some good friends. I hired the guy who was at the top of the class. (laughs) Now we're sort of law partners and uh, he handles all the tough stuff. I handle more of the business stuff and and we're working out well. And it was just a long, you know, it took time, time and and, and effort, but That's how that happened, and then I'll I'll perform. I'm doing, or I was doing, vanity project shows at Improv Asylum, charity benefits, which is great. That's sort of, you know, where a happy medium. You can duck in a little bit, do some stuff, say hey to the folks, and then go out and do the rest of your life. And and I think you know it's important
0: for anybody that that's out there and that that, that's listening is look. I think it's so easy. It doesn't matter if it's comedy or, or anything else. To ascribe success based on what you see other people do and the path that they take, mm-hmm. right? You, you know, and and we've all done it. Like, man, maybe I should have gone to L.A. Maybe you know this, that, the other thing, and mm-hmm. and yet I, I I can promise you, Dan, and and you know it because you're around the business. The majority of people that I know in Los Angeles, for example, are miserable. <laughs> I, 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 right? I, I mean, I mean. They are. I love them and, and they're great friends of mine, but on a day-to-day okay. basis in terms of what they're doing, they're pretty miserable. Right. Uh, and and, and you know, what I always tell people is when they ask me, like, what should I do? Where should I go? My answer is always the same. What will make you happy? Right. Like, do, do that. Like, like if, if, the, if the idea of going to L.A. thrills you, go. If the idea of going to L.A. fills
2: you with dread and hopelessness,
0: mm-hmm. maybe you don't go.
2: Right. Oh yeah. You know, and- one thing that's become apparent, at least for me, and and maybe that's sort of what you're saying, is you know, if you're doing comedy and writing shit because you want to be famous or you want the respect that comes with it, you're doing it. You're gonna. Well, first of all, you're probably gonna suck, and second of all, it's not gonna. No, a desire for positive feedback to never be uh, quenched. You know, you're just going to want the next thing. So yeah. unless you're doing something you love and it's rewarding, even if you don't have a million you know, followers or whatever, you're fucked. Absolutely. I say it all the time. You got to do it because
0: you, because you love it. You love the lifestyle, not because you want some kind of uh, external affirmation because it's never enough. It, you, you know, w- we know, we've been on stage. You can get a standing ovation from two, three, mm-hmm. 500 people. Right. How long? How long does the joy in that last? A night, <laughs> ma- ma- maybe, maybe. maybe? Right. And it sounds crazy for people who have never done it, but it is very true. Uh, it, it just doesn't. It, it will never replace the things that aren't working. Uh, you know, the fi- final thing that I, Dan that I want to talk about is, mm-hmm. you know, for anybody that's listening. You know, Dan. Dan really is probably one of the most incredible uh, and, and generous human beings uh, that that I've ever met, and that, that has certainly come through in any way, shape, or form of organizations that I've been a part of. And uh, you know, Dan, you've always been a, a, a wonderful uh, benefactor, and, and, and uh, donations for you know, no rest for looking funny, which is our twenty four hour uh, uh, charity show. You've always really been a great supporter of that. And and for anybody out there that's listening, you know the, the this is all well and good. And we joke around and we tell stories and, you know, you know, we shit around about the old days and stuff, but, but, but with all this that, that has gone on and, and the pandemic and, and all of these businesses closing down and prop asylum uh, very much, this is very real. And, and, you know, so many actors have, have uh, become unemployed and lost their jobs. And so right when this was happening, you know, Dan, Dan reached out to me and, and he gave me a call. He said, Hey, he's like, I want to take care. I want to take care. Uh, it looks like you're closing down. And if you close down, I want to take care of uh, the actors' salaries in Boston and New York for a month. And, you know, Dan, it just blew me away because, you know, you making that offer, you know, I didn't say it at the time, but was coming at a time for me where I was very much in a lot of, you know, personal pain because. I knew the decisions that I was that I was about to make, that that I had to make, and and they were going to be very difficult for the the people that that had to suffer those consequences. Uh, and 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 so I I was definitely struggling, and, and for you to come in and and make that offer, it really put some things in perspective for me, which was you don't know, no, this, there are ways to get this done. There are ways to figure this out and and I'm going to fight for these companies to make sure that they're there. Um, so, you know, Dan stepped up and he, and he took care of the salaries for the actors in Boston and New York, uh, for an entire month.
2: You know, why did you do that? Um, well, I saw your email and I was like, now the, the, these are the industries that are going to be absolutely screwed. And, you know, and part of it, you know, we talk, I know you guys are in, you know, show business and and whatnot, and that you've always been grateful when I've been able to uh, help out with different charitable uh, projects, but, you know, I was in a position to do that knowing that these actors weren't probably, they forfeited a lot to be on the main stage and got rid of maybe some other avenues that would help them make money through the when this type of thing might have happened. And so uh, I I just had, you know, we had a really good year. It's in and and, uh, I've gotten a lot of attention for this, which makes it seem a little less like a, a good gesture because I'm sort of benefiting from it in the public eye. And, and that,
0: I- the, yeah, and I know that people feel guilty about that, but it's not you, you Dan, that was the, the, what you, the offer that you made, mm-hmm. there were no strings attached. There, there was no, there was no expectation of anything. You're like, I just want to do it. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I always say like, we don't need to be, we don't need to be embarrassed because we have success or we're celebrated for our good things that, you know, the, so you should never feel, feel, you know, bad about that be, at all because you should be celebrated for it,
2: right? Uh, well, thank you. And and you know, I've because I've been performing, I've gotten to know these people. You know, it's sort of like paying homage. You know, I'm sure that the groundlings and UCB and and Second City have a, alumni with a, a lot more money than I do and can help out. And and you know, it just it 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 didn't. It it's it's not going to really hurt me. And I'm happy to, and, and it seemed, it just, you, you guys have been there for me during my darkest hour. I mean, how many times could you have fired me? <laughs> <laughs> many, many times. Dan. <laughs> right. And, and here, here I am. I'm in, like lovely new house. Like business is great. You, you've always supported my business and sent people my way and, and stuff like that. And like, Dude, I'm dating, like, this girl, I'm crazy about her. Her name's Rasa. She's this concert pianist. Uh, She was the pianist, I think, for the Boston Philharmonic. Such a sweetheart. I'm just having a lovely time in quarantine, uh, getting to know her, and and we're just sort of doing these trips. She's the only person that I'm allowed to see because of the quarantine. Um, (laughs) But I have this great life, and it's full of people, and and, um, Rich fulfilling relationships and it's like hey look this isn't really gonna hurt me you know and and it and if you can do something for someone else even if you're not getting a bunch of news articles published about it like that you know tell me norm you've had some really good success when i'm and and you could make a hundred thousand dollars a million dollars And it doesn't feel as good as when you just do something genuine. Now, this is a different, but like just helping somebody who could use it, you know, and that feels a lot better than working out some deal where you make a big fat check and you get to put it in the bank. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no doubt it's
0: it's if. If you're in a position, and and these seem almost like cliche to talk about it, and you know, and, and all the self help stuff talks about it, uh, and yet, yet there is such truism to it, which is, man, it, it, the opportunity to help other people, it, it does change, you know, it does change your perspective, and and yes, success is great, and don't get me wrong, I I want to buy an island and and have a, a reserve for for uh, rescue dogs, and I will just be the king of. Ten thousand rescue dogs. I, I intend to have Dogland Island. I, I really do. But 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 when you do have the opportunity to help and, and give, uh, you know, it does change everything. And, and Dan, I think I think you're the epitome of somebody that is giving back. You know, when when things are going well but i also know that you would do the same thing if they weren't and you always did and and i think that you know i look to you as as, uh, as somebody that that is inspiring to say you know this is somebody that does you know you live the life that that many people should aspire to and i don't i don't mean from a material standpoint but i mean uh, from an ethical standpoint
2: and and just kind of your outlook so uh, well, you know i just want to say thank you for that thanks norm and and, and i appreciate that and you know, a lot of the credit probably should go to my parents, Carol and Edward Fanniff, and my brothers and sisters, um, which would go mom, dad, Tammy, Sharon, Mike, Joe, Steve, Becky, Danny, Kevin. Um, that My sisters are like, they, they've adopted children who have some severe disabilities. And just that everybody in my life, you know, in my immediate family has just been such a great example as far as what they do to give back. And so that... That's where that probably comes from a lot, too. But thank you for saying that. So, Aria,
0: I hope you've learned a lesson here. And, you know, maybe you shouldn't screw over that guy, Jack, like you have been, <laughs> just taking his money and not letting him live it. If, if, if I'm saying a lawyer is more ethical than you, Ari, where do things stand with what's happening at your apartment? apartment?
1: <laughs> oh, I have no qualms about the situation
0: I'm in. <laughs>
2: Oh, Ari
0: Goldberg. Well, I'm glad you can own it. Dan, uh thank you so much for for uh for spending uh, uh spending time with us here. Uh you know that I always love talking to you. Oh, so where 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 can we find you? You know, look, if you, if you need a lawyer, <laughs> Dan's your man. Yeah. Uh, wh- 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 where do we find you? I mean, again, it's pretty specific to certain things, sure. But but uh, but, what, you know, uh, if you have personal injury, uh, uh, you certainly do a great work in in representing uh, victims of uh, sexual assault, abuse, uh, any, anything like that. Where, where can where can we find you? Uh, honestlawoffice.com. That's very good. Very good. Well, Dan, thank you so much for uh, for being here. Uh, you know that uh, you're 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 a treasure at the asylum and, and we thank you for everything. All right, Norm. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right, uh, so that is Dan Fanoff. Uh, as always, thank you for uh, to Ari Goldberg for keeping us online. No major glitches this run, Ari, on yeah. my end. So. We're getting better every time, so thank you, uh, Ari Goldberg. And as always, uh, as always, anybody that wants to support those actors, much like Dan, uh, Dan Fandeth has done, uh, you can make a donation to No Rest uh, the, to the No Rest for the Wicked Funny Foundation. Uh, we are taking donations for that, and we're using that money to disperse to uh, out of work or underemployed actors, comedians, staffers uh, of the various uh, clubs and theaters. So you can uh, you can find that all there. I am Norm Lavalette. This is Beyond the Norm. It has been uh, wonderful as always. Thank you, and we will talk to you later.